The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or at lifehousechurch.org. Do you ever feel like you're just going nowhere fast? You're just spinning your wheels. You're in motion, but there's no movement. And maybe when you think about the crises and the problems and the needs in your home, in our communities, in our cities, in our nation and across the globe, it doesn't just feel like you are going nowhere fast. It feels like everyone is on the treadmill of best intentions. (laughs) You're in motion, we're in motion, we're in motion as a people, but we're not going anywhere. We're not making a difference. In fact, what it feels like is not only are we not leading a movement, but we're insulated and isolated from each other in the basement of our best intentions. Hidden, separated, not just because of a pandemic, but the pandemic has only exacerbated the problems. It caused businesses to falter and fail. Some are still struggling to reopen. Cause people who were already addicted to lean only into that as their coping mechanism. And so we've seen the skyrocketing of drug overdoses and drug abuse and alcohol abuse. We've seen the increase of issues of suicidal ideation and suicides. A bunch of people in motion going nowhere fast. We've seen the separation of people in the basements of political animosity and racial tensions, of violent crimes on the rise. We've seen people in motion without any movement, where the most vulnerable people in our population are even more stuck than they were before, more vulnerable to abuse and domestic violence, the youngest in our communities, in our culture, set up for failure, trapped in human trafficking, or being separated into the foster care system where they're trying to get their needs met, but there's a limit on the resources. And so what do you do when you're here on the treadmill of your best intentions in motion without movement? What do you do? Well, here's what some people do. They've just resigned themselves and they just stop running. They don't do anything. They just resign. Others get angry and frustrated, so they turn up the speed, and they just go crazy, running harder and harder, hoping that the faster they go, the bigger difference they'll make. But no matter how hard you run on the treadmill of best intentions, you're still going nowhere fast. So I wonder if it's time for us to not only get off the treadmill, but figure out a new solution Where is the church in the middle of this motion without movement? I fear that too often people know what the church is against. And so they've wrongly interpreted that God is against them, against their schools, their communities, their cities, maybe even our nation. But it hasn't always been that way. No, the church has in the past been a beacon of hope and light in the midst of darkness. In fact, for a moment, I want to bring you to an ancient church. It's found 
The story of it's found in the Bible in a letter written to the Hebrew church, meaning Jewish converts to Christianity. And they were struggling with their faith. Many of the people in the church were persecuted, suffering, beat down. They had lost their jobs. They had been driven out of their homes. They had been economically beat down. Some of them even put to death. Others within the Christian church had an opportunity. They could avoid that suffering and that persecution if they simply turned a blind eye or they could get intimately involved in the pain and the problems of their friends, of their family, of their brothers and sisters, of those who were suffering. And so in the letter to the Hebrews chapter 10, the author, and we're not quite entirely sure who the author is. Some believe it was the apostle Paul. Others believe it was Apollos. He writes this about the response of the Christians to those who are suffering and experiencing deep troubles around them. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 33, he wrote, sometimes you are publicly exposed to insult and persecution. And other times, and here's the key, this is to another group. Other times you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You suffered along with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that yourselves, that you yourselves had a better and lasting possessions. The author is saying that he's writing to a church to encourage them. He's saying that their response to others who were suffering, to a city that was suffering, to a city that was facing crisis, to neighbors and friends that were in anguish. He said, you, you didn't just turn a blind eye, you became for them, you got involved, you suffered alongside of them. You were willing to allow your possessions to be confiscated, to make others rich. You were willing to endure suffering to alleviate the suffering of others. You recognized the high price of love and you did what love required. And so the author to the Hebrew church is writing to encourage them about what it looks like and means to step out in risk-taking love. And so he in the next chapter, he's gonna go on, he's gonna write about all of these heroes of the faith, these ancient followers of God throughout history. And he's gonna tell different stories of all of these heroes of the faith who, who didn't, their faith didn't just spin its wheels, but they actually went somewhere, they did something, they made a difference and they changed the world around them. And in order to connect the dots, between these people who were willing to suffer to help others, who were for those who were hurting, and connect the dots between them and these heroes of the faith before them, he provides this thought. This is the key. Hebrews chapter 11, verse one. Now faith is the confidence in what we hope for 
the assurance of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. So he goes, and then he's going to go on. He's going to tell you the stories of all these different ancient heroes of the faith. And he goes, you want to know why they were heroes of the faith? Because their, their faith did something. Their faith wasn't just in motion. Their faith wasn't just running on the treadmill going nowhere fast, fast. Their faith wasn't just in motion. Their faith was in action, and that's the key. A principle that transcends time and places and people. A principle that jumps out of the pages of Hebrews chapter 11, whether it's to a church that's suffering or for those who are suffering. A principle that makes sense to us today when we think about whether we can turn a blind eye to those who are hurting and walk away. We can just stay on the treadmill, spinning our wheels in the basement of our best intentions, or we can get off Go somewhere and put our faith, not just in motion, but our faith that becomes a movement. And the key that gets us off the treadmill is that faith puts hope into action. That's right. He, he said, faith is the evidence of things hoped for. Faith puts hope into action. Faith does something. And specifically to this church, he said what faith does is it becomes risk-taking in its love. And when we think about the different crises, whether it's the epidemic of drug overdoses and drug abuse, whether it's the, the crises of vulnerable children in our communities that desperately need a healthy home, or they need mentors in their life, or they need to be rescued out of human trafficking, or the crisis of homelessness and poverty. We can see all the crises around us, and the challenge is not just that we're in motion but going nowhere fast. No, the real challenge is that we're part of the problem. Oh, you might not be in the middle of human trafficking and enslaving people, you might not be dealing drugs on the street. You might not be abusing or using others. But for you and I, the problems outside are stemming from the problem inside. And the problem inside of every one of us that creates the problems around us is a spiritual crisis called sin. Sin separates us from God. It, it's as if we turned our back on God and all that is good. It's the opposite of faith. It's an anti-faith. We've rejected God. We, you, me, our neighbors, our city, our nation. We reject God and we do the opposite of what love does. We, we do what selfishness does. In a, in a region and in a climate and culture of fear and anger, we look out for ourselves more than we look out for others, driven by sin, which produces the action, the, the activity of selfishness. And when I am selfish and you are selfish, it begins to erode and tear down and tear apart our homes, our city streets, our cities. The issue in your neighborhood is not your neighbor. It's sin in your own heart. 
The issue in our cities, in your city, the issue in our country, your country, is not your neighbor or the president or the legislature, the Supreme Court, or any decision that someone else makes. It's not the police or the lack of the police. It's you and me and sin in our own hearts because sin corrupts us and turns us away from God and all that is good and it sends us on a life course of ruin and destruction and devastation where we do what we think feels good but it ends up leading us toward what is wrong and worse, toward what leads to forever judgment. But God. But God refused to leave us on a life course and a crash course and a city on a course toward ruin. And so God intervened. And the author of Hebrews writes this about faith. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse six, he said, and without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. So he says, here's the thing. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. But you know what? There is, there's hope in that statement. That means with faith, it is not only possible to please God, but it is a promise that we please God. When we have faith in God, we please God. And when we please God, we receive the blessings and the favor of God. And so what is the application for our life? What's the principle for your life and your home and your neighborhood and your community and your city? It's this, faith puts hope in God. See, I wanna make sure you don't miss this. We don't just have faith in faith. This verse is about the object or the direction of our faith. And he's saying, for those that believe in Jesus, we don't have faith in something, but someone. Our faith is not in a generic, nameless, faceless, unknowable God of all different, maybe all of the religions combined. He's not some all-inclusive God. No, our faith is in the real, living, active, loving God who revealed himself in the person of Jesus. And so my faith puts hope in the person of Jesus. For you right now, I'm inviting you to faith to put your hope in action by stepping out in faith, by believing in Jesus. What did Jesus do for us? Why should I believe in Jesus? Because I believe that he came to earth. Jesus gave his life for my life. The penalty for my sin was forever death. So Jesus took that penalty of forever death on himself. And he did what only God could do. He forgave and he gave his life for us. And Jesus not only died, but he rose from the dead. And in his death and resurrection, he both forgives and gives. He forgives sin and gives life. He gave all he could. There was nothing left to give. And because he had nothing left to give, there's nothing left for you to do except believe in Jesus by faith. And so can I encourage you to get off the treadmill of going nowhere fast or just putting your faith in faith and put your faith in Jesus right now, if you've never committed to putting your faith in Jesus and you're just kind of hoping 
that things in your life will change. You're just hoping that your marriage will get better. You're just hoping that your neighborhood will turn around. You're just hoping that the things in your city will improve or that things in our nation will get better. They won't. No, what needs to happen is we put our hope in Jesus by faith. But I have good news for you. When you put your hope in Jesus through faith, he is there to receive you and forgive you and give you new life. And so if that's the commitment you're making, can I invite you to simply say yes to Jesus by faith? And if you're saying yes to Jesus, let us know. You can text the name Jesus to 81411. And when you send that text to us, we're going to follow you quickly to not only give you some resources to encourage you as you begin this new journey of faith in God, but we're going to also cheer you on as you begin this new journey with God. So what happens when, you, when your faith puts your hope in God? Well, let me be very clear. The only hope for your life is Jesus. There is no hope for our nation, our cities, our communities, our homes, or our souls outside of Jesus. The only appropriate place for our hope to be put is Jesus. And we put our hope in Jesus by faith. I believe that God is. I believe that he exists and that he's good and therefore I put my faith in him. And here's what happens when I put my faith in Jesus. He is the only one who can transform my life. He's the only one that can forgive my sins. Jesus is the only one that can heal my home. He's the only one that can restore a neighborhood. Only Jesus can heal our cities. And so what we do is we're saying, I'm putting my hope in Jesus by faith that he is for Within LifeHouse, we have physical campuses in Hagerstown. I believe that the only hope for Hagerstown is Jesus. We have a campus in Chambersburg. I believe the only hope for Chambersburg is Jesus. Getting ready to launch a campus in Frederick, Maryland. I believe the only hope for Frederick is Jesus. Wherever you are right now, maybe you're in Dover, Delaware. The only hope for Dover is Jesus. Maybe you're in Philly. The only hope for Philly is Jesus. Maybe you're in the Philippines. The only hope for the Philippines is Jesus. Why? Because on our own, we're empty. And what do thirsty people who have no water give to someone else who's thirsty? They have nothing to offer. But if Jesus pours living water into you, he is the center of your faith, and then he becomes the source of your faith. He is the focus of your faith, and then he becomes the fuel of your faith. So not only does he fill you with living water, but he becomes the resource of living water that you can give to others. What fills, spills. And so now, because Jesus is not only the center of your faith, but the resource of your faith, he's not only the focus, but the fuel, you now have something to offer someone else because your faith put your hope in Jesus. Now let's continue to read what faith does, this risk-taking faith. And the ultimate example of risk-taking love is Jesus, who was self-sacrificing, who was willing to put all his love on the line for us, paid it all. And so now to the Hebrew church and to us today, we're invited to do what love requires. This risk-taking love that would connect with and um, 
relate to others who are suffering. Here's what the author says that faith does. Verse three, by faith, we understand that the universe was formed as, at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. Here, here is what he's saying. I'm gonna give you the principle first and then I'm gonna help you connect the dots. The key to what he's saying is this. Faith produces the evidence of hope. We hope for something, but hope in and of itself doesn't accomplish anything. Hope is like running on a treadmill hoping that you're running a marathon, but you're not getting anywhere. It's just hope, 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 hope. But faith produces the evidence of hope. So what he's saying is, everything you see around you is the evidence that there is an invisible God who spoke into the nothingness somethingness. See, Faith believes that there is an invisible, good, creative God who spoke his word into a nothingness void. And when the invisible God declared life and creation into the void of nothingness, somethingness formed. And he says, you have to believe that by faith. Why? Because you could look around and, and see there's an evidence of the world that exists, right? Like it's obvious. What's not so obvious is where it all came from. So he goes like this. The evidence is the creation of the world. Faith believes that an invisible God spoke his word into nothingness that created the somethingness. However, when that happened, we weren't there. It was unseen. And so we have to trust by faith that there is a real God who is invisible, who spoke into that nothingness, somethingness. And in the same way, we put our faith in a creative God who is actively at work in and around us so that we believe by faith that our hope will be evidenced through the direction of our faith in God. Now, that was a mouthful. What I mean is this. Our hope, our convictions, our values generate a confidence or an assurance that God will do what he said he would do. And that confidence, that assurance produces the evidence of hope. Faith stirs confidence that creates evidence. Because I have faith in a real God, I believe that the real God who is actively at work will do something in me and through me and it will produce real results. It will produce evidence of hope. So for you and I, we're kind of putting it to the test. We're saying, God, I don't just hope that you're real. I know that you're real. I have an assurance that you're real. I'm confident in you. I'm, I believe that you're, you are active and I believe that you're good. And because, I'm act, because I know that you're active and I believe that you're good, I am gonna trust you. I'm gonna put my faith in you. And what I'm asking is that my faith would produce evidence of hope. It's time for us to start asking God for some evidence of our hope at work in and around us. Now, what does that look like? So I thought you would never ask. So the, the second part of that is this. Faith produces not just the evidence of hope, but faith produces the action of hope. Faith puts your hope into action. 
faith gets off the treadmill of motion and becomes a movement of activity. It becomes a movement of action. Why? Because I believe that there's a real active God who activates my faith and puts me into motion, into a movement. I become part of something bigger than myself. And I recognize that I have a small part in the thing that God is doing. And so think about it, right? We pray by faith. It has to be by faith. If, if we were not praying by faith, it wouldn't be prayer. It would be hope. We would just be wishing. But we don't just wish. We pray by faith. And so when I pray by faith, I am believing that an active God will be active around me doing good. Not only do I pray by faith to an active God, believing that he will hear and answer my prayers, but I am activated by faith through my own prayers so that when I say amen, then I become active. After amen, it's time for action. See, you put your faith into motion. Here's the thing, right? When I don't pray by faith, at best, I can give my best. Without prayer, if we work together, at best, we can give our best. But through faith, we pray, we give our best, and we invite God's best, which becomes supernatural and transformative. And that best is not anchored in going nowhere fast, but it's a God in motion who is moving us and leading us into risk-taking love. And so now the key is, what are we going to do about the prayers we pray? This isn't us answering our own prayers. This isn't us as the response to our own faith. It is putting our faith in action. It's putting our faith, not just in motion, but into a movement of activity where we become the response of God to the hurting, the broken, the needy, the worried, the sick, the homeless, those in poverty, those in the foster care system. We become the response of God. And what happens is as we begin to associate with those that are suffering, like they did in the early church, as we begin to identify with the pain and the problems and the hurts and the suffering of those around us, We do what love requires. And here's the result. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 10. He writes, For he, one of these ancients, one of these heroes of the faith, for he was looking forward to a city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. And then in verse 16, he said, Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one, Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. All of these ancients, all these heroes of the faith, they were looking forward to a city whose builder and maker is God. But while they were by faith looking toward a heavenly city whose builder and maker was God, they were also asking that God would bring heaven into their city. And so it's this, it's here as in, heaven. 
in Hagerstown as in heaven, in Chambersburg as in heaven, in Frederick as in heaven, in Philly, in Dover, in Miami, in Beaumont, in, in the Philippines as in heaven. I'm saying, God, would you begin to turn my city into the city of God? Would this city begin to be a city whose builder and maker is God? God, would you be the architect of rebuilding my broken city? And what part do you have in that? Now, let me give you the final challenge. Maybe some of you, you're just, you're going nowhere fast. And it's time for us, man, it's time for us to get off of this faith treadmill that doesn't do anything. It's just faith in faith. It's just faith in motion, but not going anywhere fast. No, come on, let's put this aside. It's time for us to lay aside the the frenetic activity of going nowhere fast and let's put our faith into a movement where we're putting our our hope in God and our hope in God is evidenced and active. In what way do you need to begin to activate your faith and begin to put it into not just a a frenetic motion, but it needs to become real and life-changing and community-changing and city-changing. Trust me, God is for you. He's for your home. He is for your neighborhood. He is for your city. And it is our faith in God that transforms the world around us. And so let's believe God by faith. Let's trust God by faith. And then through faith, let's get into motion and begin to live actively our faith in our city. Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.